Unnecessary Roughness, brought to you by Southfield Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. With 11-year NFL veteran, Big Ten Offensive Lineman of the Year, and captain of the national championship Michigan Wolverines, John Jansen. And 10-year NFL veteran, two-time Pro Bowl offensive tackle, and Super Bowl champion with the Green Bay Packers, T.J. Lang. Now, here's John Jansen and T.J. Lang. Well, the 2023 Combine is in the books, and it's it was interesting. Uh, we're going to get a chance to talk about how it affects the Detroit Lions, uh, any risers, any fallers, and again, what that means for our Detroit Lions. And um, TJ, we talked about the, the two different experiences we had of the NFL Combine. I went to the Combine, you didn't. We both had long, you know, really nice careers. So it's not an indicator of what's going to happen on the field. Uh, the number one indicator is still you flip the film on and you see if a guy can play or not. And hopefully the combine justifies what you saw on film. Maybe it moves a guy up five or six spots. Maybe it moves down. But you're not going to have guys go from, oh, we think this guy's a fifth-round prospect to all of a sudden he's top 15 in the draft. That's not what this combine is. Uh, but there are a couple... Very polarizing draft prospects. And so let's start with the number one that everybody is talking about right now, and that's Anthony Richardson. He came out of that draft or out of the combine as an absolute athletic freak. Uh, And so when you're looking at what he did at the combine, how does it shape or how does it help shape what we're going to see on this year's draft? It feels like deja vu. I mean, every year we go through this, don't we? Last year was like, wasn't Malik Willis people were talking about? Oh, yeah. Oh, he could be a, you know, Lions could take him at two. Or somebody could take him at three or four. And then the guy, you know, everybody's like, okay, you know, he's uh, needs a lot of work. Um, not a top five pick. Anthony Richardson, look, I think, I'll just start with this. As a whole... Um, the combine to me, I didn't really go in thinking, Hey, these guys can really help themselves. These guys can hurt themselves. But I did come out of it saying, you know what? All these guys are good athletes. All of them, even the offensive linemen, you know, even the guys running four sevens at, you know, 320 pounds or four nines at, you know, 320. I mean, everybody's a good athlete there. Right. Um, Anthony Richardson. I mean, the guy's a freak. He just, you know, he's, he's almost like a linebacker. Body, you know, 6'4, 245. Uh, physical style of play, you know, I mean, just a workhorse type dude, obviously fast as hell and can jump through the roof. Uh, are there, are those qualities that translate to being a, a really good quarterback in the NFL? I don't think so. I mean, you got to go back and watch the guy's film. Uh, obviously, when you take a look at the stats and you take a look at how he played uh, last year at Florida, I mean, completion percentage, that's nothing to write home about, right? You watch some of the clips. Uh, I heard somebody talking about it even yesterday. I mean, you watch some of the clips, and it's just they're head scratchers. They're just like, what what is he doing, you know? You got a guy wide open for, you know, a 10-yard gain. Instead, you're throwing it 50 yards into, you know, triple coverage. It's just like the decision-making is just something that is still a concern. I think, think, look, he's the type of guy where you have to build – an offense around him. 
you can't just, you know, if you're the Lions, let's say the Lions take him, you know, at 18. Let's say, you know, he comes in, everybody's excited about him. He's not going to fit into the style of offense that, you know, Ben Johnson and Jared Goff are running right now. He's not a West Coast, <laughs> He's you not, know. He, he power. and Jared Goff are not the same. Is they that what are you're not. Saying? No, but you, he's, he's a guy that he, he does, I'm saying that style of offense right. where it's, you know, handoff, play action, hey, take your shot. You know what I mean? It's going to have yeah. to be more of a Baltimore offense, a Philadelphia offense, something that uh, makes the run game a lot easier because you do have a dual threat at quarterback and also – that helps you as a, at the quarterback position because a lot of the throws you're having to make coming off a of play, you're getting like almost one read offenses, right? Everybody's so scared of the quarterback run where you get a lot of man coverage and you say, hey, we're faking it. I know I'm taking a shot here. He, he's, I don't think he's the type of guy that you're going to drop back 35, 40 times a game, have him read through different coverages, yep. find the matchups and go. Um, he's a guy that kind of needs that system designed around him. Um, so I'm sh- Hey, look, if he goes to the right team, you know, could he be, uh, you know, a dynamic player? Could he be a Justin Fields type guy or, you know, a Jalen Hurts type guy? Uh, maybe, but when you look at everything kind of in the hole, it's like, I'm not going to get excited about a prospect because he had a good vertical jump. Right. I'm not going to get excited about a guy that, you know, ran a four four forty when eighty percent of the players on the field run a four four forty outside of the offensive lineman. So um, it, it was look. Some of this stuff was certainly impressive, but I, I, I definitely didn't come out of it saying, "Oh man, I thought this guy was." you know, maybe a second round pick. Oh, now he can be, you know, top five pick. I didn't come out of it thinking that at all with any of the prospects. Well, I, I didn't, I don't think that I didn't think it before. I don't think it after, you know, in terms of just being a pure athlete. Sure. He's a guy that's a tremendous athlete and the numbers that you referenced, his vertical jump, 40 and a half inches. That's it's amazing. It's, it's for a quarterback to have that type of explosive ability, 10, nine in the broad jump. He ran a four four three forty, um, you know, and it's the it's the best time, fourth best time for a quarterback since two thousand and three. So it's it's two decades worth of guys coming and going in the in the combine that he was able to surpass. But when you look at his numbers, and and I, the point I want to make will come up here in just a minute. But you think okay. This is a guy that they they want to compare to a Lamar Jackson type of athlete. Well, we know what Lamar Jackson did at Louisville. We know what he, what he was as a Heisman Trophy winner. But now you look at Anthony Richardson, and as a quarterback, he only went over 100 yards rushing twice this past year. And you would think a guy with his ability would gain more yardage on the ground. You look at what he did through the through the air, and you referenced it. It was fifty three point eight percent completion percentage, and then you look and say, okay, well, what did he do against the best opponents? Well, against Utah, the first game of the year, that was his best game. He was seventy percent, but only threw for one hundred sixty eight yards. So you know it was a lot of dink and dunk. After that, they play, and these are some of the ranked opponents that they played against. Kentucky, he threw the ball. It was forty percent. Completion percentage. They lost that game against Tennessee. A little bit better, fifty-four and a half percent. They lost that game. He, you know, twenty-four of forty-four. 
then you go up uh, Georgia, the other ranked team that they played against. He was 48%, 18 of 37, uh, against Florida State, rivalry game for him. You're thinking, hey, maybe he's going to turn it on for this one. 33%. So in the biggest games, he had his worst performances. Yeah. And and then you go to the combine and you say, okay, well, and, and we've all, you and I, I say, when I say we, we've been in the room with whether it's a coach, and in this, in this situation it'll be a quarterback coach, be an offensive coordinator, head coach, or general manager. And the the ultimate is if you have all four of those guys that look at Anthony Richardson and say, I can fix his footwork. I can fix whatever it is that he's look his eyes. And I can get him to read the right thing, go to the right guy. The footwork, if, if we fix that, he's going to be more accurate at those 5 to 15 because he can launch the ball. We yeah. saw that. I mean, he's he's got great arm talent, but – when you start talking about arm talent, you got to talk about can he make those five to fifteen yard throws? There's going to be a lot more of those throws than there are the sixty yard bombs right. that he he's so good at. But we all have been in the room with those guys that think I can turn that into an NFL superstar, and it's only <clears throat> going to take one or two of those teams to think that they can take Anthony Richardson with a little bit of time, a little bit of effort and turn him into a superstar at the NFL level. And you don't, in my opinion, you don't just go from 53% completion percentage at the University of Florida, go to the NFL, and in a year's time, defenses are faster, athletes are better, you're under more pressure, and then all of a sudden become a great passer in the NFL. But there are coaches that think that they can develop that and what it's done and how it affects the Lions is going into the combine, you really felt like maybe there were three quarterbacks that were going to be taken possibly before the Lions pick, and that's Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, or Will Levis. And then you've got two defenders in Will Anderson and Jalen Carter. So your top five players are going to be off the board before the Lions pick. Now, if you're looking at a team that says, I've got to have Anthony Richardson. I don't want anybody to take him. Or I've got to have one of the top four quarterbacks. They want to move into the top five to get one of the top four quarterbacks. Then math is going to tell you if four quarterbacks go in the top five, Will Anderson or Jalen Carter are going to be there at number six for the Detroit Lions. They're not going to have to trade up to get one of them. They're not going to have to do anything. One of them is going to fall into their laps. And I see that as more likely now after the combine, you and I wouldn't take Anthony Richardson. I wouldn't take him in the first round. I don't think he's a first round because talent. he's a project. Everything you just described is a project. We think we can turn him in. We think we can help his footwork. We think we can help his decision making. We think we can turn this around. That that is a that's a project, right? That's it's going to take a year, maybe two. Maybe we can turn this guy into something where the other quarterbacks, Bryce Young, day one starter, C.J. Stroud, day one starter, Will Levis. Uh, the jury's still out on him, but I think a lot of teams view him as day one starter. So I agree with you. I wouldn't take Anthony Richardson in the first round uh, for that fact alone. Saying, you know, this we're going to need. He needs a lot of work. If we get this work done, he could become a good player. But you think that about everybody you draft, whether it's the first round, whether it's the third, well, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round. Yeah. You think you, you could make him a great player? Yeah, you think you can turn him on to great players? So I'm with you. I think Anthony Richardson. Um, Look, and I think there's one comparable, at least when you just talk about stats, 
and stature, you know, 6'4", 245. I mean, think back, you know, four years ago, Josh Allen coming out, you know, 6'5", 240. I mean, the big thing around him, he played at Wyoming, obviously faced much less competition than Anthony, Anthony Richardson did at Florida. And Josh Allen, I think, left Wyoming with, you know, a career percentage of 55%, you know, somewhere in there. Um, so there there might be your comparable if you want to say, okay, the guy didn't complete, you know, as many passes as he should, but, hey, Josh Allen just did it, and this is recent too, you know, in the last couple of years. He's a guy that obviously translated pretty well, but I'm with you. I mean, I just, I still, when you think about a project-type guy, it's gonna, he's going to have to end up in a perfect place. He's going to have to end up, you know, in the perfect system with the perfect people around him. Um, to succeed. And look, I think, yeah, a lot of the hype right now in the NFL, people love the way that, you know, Jalen Hurts plays the game. People love the way that when Lamar Jackson is healthy, how he plays the game. And obviously, you know, last year with with Justin Fields and what he was able to do uh, at the quarterback position when it came to running the ball, um, what Justin Fields did, did that translate to a bunch of wins? No. no. I think Chicago won three games. And look, you can make the, oh, if he was on a better team. No if any quarter, if anybody that struggled that didn't win, if they were on a better team, yes, they would be better. Um, that just doesn't that it, it's kind of the cool thing right now, right? And we go through this little cycle every once feels like every ten years where, oh man, this is the next big thing, right? The read options coming back to the NFL, and then that fit phases out in a couple of years, and then everybody goes back to you know what. Tom Brady was good at what Patrick Mahomes is good at what Aaron Rodgers you know what I mean yeah um so it's kind of a fad right now but look I, I I have nothing against the kid I just I'm not as high on him after the combine that it seems like a lot of people are yeah and and some of this will be <gasps> determined in terms of what teams need quarterbacks um it's being reported this morning that it sounds as if the New Orleans Saints, uh, Ian Rappaport is reporting that the New Orleans Saints and Derek Carr are close on a deal um, for Derek Carr to be their next quarterback. So it takes the Saints out of you know that let's draft a quarterback this year. I don't think they're going to be a team that moves up, but you've got Carolina. You've got a number of different teams that are going to need a quarterback. Uh, and it will. some of it will be determined by where do these teams go in free agency mm -hmm. and who ends up needing teams? And, and I want to touch on this real quick before we start talking about some of the other uh, positions and, and what they were able to, what we saw at the combine. But with Derek Carr, let's just assume that he does ink a deal with the new Orleans saints that leaves the New York jets with Zach Wilson. We know that they've taught, they obviously brought Derek Carr in. They wanted him as a quarterback. We've taught, they've talked a lot about, making him a Hall of Fame quarterback. They were trying to they were blowing smoke up his ass something fierce to try and get him to come to New York. Appears that's not going to happen. I don't know if you've had any conversations with with Aaron Rodgers. I don't know that I want you to share anything that you may have learned, but what are your thoughts on do you think he plays another year and if he does, do you think it's in Green Bay or is is the the New York Jets, is that a viable destination for him? Yeah, I mean, I think every option's still on the table. You know, I, over the past, gosh, probably month, um, I I mean, I honestly don't know. I, I'm 50-50. Yeah. I mean, I've, I sat here, you know, probably midway through last season when the Packers were struggling, and I was like, 
I think he's want to get going to go somewhere else. You know, I think he's kind of feeling like, hey, if I want to win another Super Bowl, probably not going to be in Green Bay. So I was kind of on the train where he's going to leave. Then I kind of switched. It was like, you know, if he wants, if he wants to win a Super Bowl, and this is where I kind of sit today. I don't know what Aaron Rodgers wants. I don't know if he wants to go back and finish his career in Green Bay. He's said a lot of, uh, uh, he's made that pretty vocal over the past couple of years. Uh, how he would love to finish, you know, his career in one spot. Um, sounds like Green Bay's ready to move on, you know, just here in uh, the past, you know, five or six days mm-hmm. where, you know, Aaron's doing all these podcasts and talking about his future. And then, you know, Gutenkoos goes down to the combine and they're like, we haven't talked to Aaron, you know, since he left the building back in, you know, January. And it's yep. like, uh, you could just tell there's kind of some, there's some rift there, but Look, if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I think if I want to win a Super Bowl, if I really want to go back and try to build a be on a championship team, your best option is probably to stay in Green Bay, right? It's probably to stay in Green Bay, try to retool a little bit. Um, you know, they still could. We saw obviously last year with how bad things were there. You know, a one win away from being in the playoffs and making some noise. Yeah. Um, you look at the AFC, and it's like, do you want to go to? Vegas or Jets, and then you got to go through that gauntlet of Mahomes and Burrow and Josh Allen and, you know, young, you know, Trevor Lawrence and Justin. I mean, that's a gauntlet in the AFC, right? Um, NFC, it's like, okay, you got the Eagles who obviously just won the uh, the conference and were in the Super Bowl, but are they considered a powerhouse juggernaut, you know, franchise uh, type, um, you know, team? Like, A, di- a dynasty? No. You know, San Fran? No. They write question marks there, too. So if I had to guess, though, right now, I would say he's probably going to be somewhere else next year if he plays. I still think there's a good chance, you know, he just Hangs him says, up. yeah, I'm just content, you know, with what I've done and just kind of hang it up um, to not make the exit from Green Bay messy like what we saw with, you know, Brett Favre. <laughs> yeah, fifteen years ago. I mean, that's just uh, that was messy. So yeah, I would I, say either fifty fifty right now. He doesn't play, or if he does play, um, hey, Jets might be an option. Or I think Vegas. I think Vegas is still pretty alive in that conversation as well. Yeah, and so in regards to the the combine, the grades, I just outlined a, a possibility if four quarterbacks are taken in the top five because this is a quarterback hungry league. Teams are starved for that next great quarterback. They take their shot at one of the four, then either Jalen Carter or Will Anderson could fall. One of them would fall to the Detroit Lions at six. Jalen Carter came out of the combine. Now, I don't really know how they put these grades together. It's on NFL.com because Jalen Carter didn't do everything there. Uh, Bryce Young didn't do everything there. But they've got Jalen Carter as the number one grade coming out of the combine. Uh, Will Anderson, two. Bryce Young, three. Bijan Robinson is four. And then Tyree Wilson, a guy that we've talked about. Somebody's going to be available there at six, a really good football player, and it could be Tyree Wilson. Um, He is the fifth highest graded player coming out of the combine. Um, But a couple of things, I think, when you you look at this combine and you think, okay, well, the the first-round picks, the names are going to be there. And where the destinations are, like who, no one really knows. And it'll be interesting to see what the Bears do with that number one overall pick. If they trade out of it, who trades up? Is it Houston going from two to one? 
Um, and then what does Arizona do at three? Uh, because Kyler Murray is going to be out this year. Do they sit there and think, you know what, if we trade back, we can get more players that we can develop for 2024 when Kyler Murray is back, and they put together something for two years down the road. It's going to be really interesting. But I started looking at players that I think could be there available for the Lions, and I still think they go defensive edge rusher at six, or you know, if if Jalen Carter's there, defensive tackle. I think they go corner at eighteen if they stay at six and eighteen. So they address defense in the first round. In the second round, yeah, they still need to to address a linebacker. They could still address you know a number of different positions. But I want to give you a couple of guys that I think would be nice additions after watching what they were able to do at the combine compared with what I saw on film. And there's one of them. We know the Lions love to add that extra offensive lineman in short-yarded situations. Um, they like to put an extra offensive lineman. We've seen Penny Sewell go in motion. We've seen him go unbalanced you know, in either direction. But they've brought in you know, Skipper uh, at times, Evan Brown at times as an extra offensive lineman. If you've got a tight end that acts as an offensive lineman but you can also throw the ball to, I think it adds to this offense. And Darnell Washington out of Georgia – I thought he was a load to try and, and and tackle when he had the ball in his hands. He's 6'7", 264. He ran a 4'6", at that size. I think he then becomes your extra offensive lineman at that tight end position. And you he's going to be – I think he'll be available. Somebody may take him at the end of the first round, but I think he may be available for the Lions. Another guy, Dewan Jones, and I know he's – He's a monster of an individual. What I saw from him, to me, doesn't translate to being a tackle. He's got the reach. He's got all of the intangibles except, in my opinion, the lateral movement uh, that you need to have for, as, a, as an offensive tackle to be a really good offensive tackle in the NFL. I think he would be a great addition. If Vitae is gone, you put him at guard, yeah, I know he's tall, and you don't necessarily see six seven, six eight yeah, guards, six eight and a half, three eighty. <laughs> but he <laughs> is <boy>. a monster, <laughs> and he's a road grader. I think you put him in there, and now it does give you the flexibility that if either Sewell or uh, Decker were to get miss a game or two or or half the season, we've seen that happen with Taylor Decker. Now you do have the flexibility of a guy that's had experience at playing tackle to be able to put in there, and I think offensive lines have to have some of that flexibility of good players being able to play out of position, but if everybody's healthy, you put him at guard, now all of a sudden that offensive line is it's, it's dominant. And I, I would love to know your thoughts of a guy who is 6'8", playing offensive guard. you got to have leverage. Yeah. I get that. You've never really seen it before right um only because yeah like you just mentioned i mean the leverage the standing firm in the pocket right i think a lot of times and you know certainly we've seen some big guards i mean we saw dan skipper play guard last year for the lions yeah. and he's all of six seven you know i think the one concern though is hey that's the quarterback's window right the middle of that pocket that's the window um you get a guy that's six eight in there hard to you see know, that can start clogging some things up um you know, that's typically where you see the 6'2 to 6'4 type guys right. more on the inside because that does give the quarterback a better window. But, look, I don't – I mean, I 
I'm not as sold that the kid can't play tackle in the NFL only because there has been some precedents, and especially recently. I mean, you look at, you know, even guys like Orlando Brown, you know, uh, Trent Brown. I mean, those guys, Trent Brown was massive, you know, yeah. six, eight, three, seven, same type of body. Didn't move very well at the combine. Didn't, you know, not very great lateral quickness, but. There's also something when you're that damn big. Yeah. Like you don't have to move that much. You <laughs> know what I mean? Code, you you can, gotta run around. Yeah, where it's like other guys, hey, it might take me, you know, three kicks to get to my land my landmark, but it might take him, you know, one and a half or two because he's so damn big. <laughs> um, that's certainly a possibility. I mean, I don't love the thought process of putting a six eight, three eighty guy at guard. Um, only because it, that does that does that that it's a lot of it's a lot of beef to get over in the middle of the pocket if you're a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I I love who you mentioned, Darnell Washington. He was a guy that I watched at the Combine. Obviously watched him play at Georgia there. Um, number two for them only because of Brock Bowers was so damn good yeah. as a receiver. But you talk about blocking. You talk about being physical. You talk about moving people off the ball. I mean, at 6'7", you know, 265, that's a guy that's going to get it done for you. Um <laughs> One thought process, though, you know, last thought here before we kind of wrap up. All this weekend, you know, watching all these athletes run around, watching, you know, hey, the mock draft. Oh, this guy just, you know, ran a 4-3. He's got to be a top 10 pick. It's like, okay, just whatever. Get out of the glitz and glamour of that. I still want this team, and I think you're on the same page too. I want this team to continue to take the approach that, uh, you know, San Francisco took, you know, starting – seven, eight years ago that, um, you know, Philadelphia has taken over the past, you know, eight, ten years where you build up the defensive line, mm-hmm. right? You build it up. You can't have enough pass rushers in this league, right? Um, you look at the San Fran model. Obviously, you know, DeForest Buckner back in the day and Eric Armstead in the first round, and obviously we know Nick Bosa, first-round pick. You know, they took another kid – when they traded Buckner to Indianapolis, um, you know, use that first round pick to go get another defensive lineman. I just love that thought process of of beefing up the lines. You know, whether it's at six, they're taking the best available edge rusher. I mean, my God, I hope Jalen Carter's available. I would turn that card in in two seconds. Yeah. Um, even with you know, we obviously heard over the weekend some, some issues off some the field. issues that hopefully will be resolved by draft day. Um, but even John, I'm going to throw a possibility at you too here, and I don't know if you're going to love it. I'm kind of starting to love it the more I think about it though. If you have, you know, an exceptional grade on a guy like Pete Skaronsky out of Northwestern and, you know, let's say three quarterbacks go, um, top three Carter's off the board, Anderson's off the board. You're sitting there at six and you're looking at, okay, hey, maybe we got the possibility of Tyree Wilson, Miles Murphy, edge rushers, but you've got an exceptional grade on Pete Skaronsky, and you say, hey, this is a guy, I know he's 6'4", 315, played tackle at Northwestern. The 32-inch arms are a little bit of a concern, I think, when you talk yeah. about playing tackle uh, at the next level. If they think this guy can be, you know, a Zach Martin, a Quentin Nelson, right, a guy that's going to be an all-pro style of guard for the next 10 to 12 years for this team, would you hate that pick? No. I wouldn't either. I I wouldn't. um, (laughs) It wouldn't be my number one. But I I do think that you are – you're still addressing whether it's 
the defensive line or offensive line, I'm I'm always going to be okay with solidifying those positions yeah. with playmakers because when you draft and it, it just the drop off over six, seven, eight, nine, ten years, I believe is less for an offensive or defensive lineman than it is at any other position. So if you take Skaronsky at six and you put him in at guard, now you've got Penny Sewell going into his third year. You've still got Taylor Decker on his second-year contract, Frank Ragnow, Jonah Jackson, Skaronsky. Like, you've got a young offensive line. Your oldest guy is going to be Taylor Decker, who's still technically in his prime playing yeah. good football. I wouldn't hate it because, I like you, I think Skaronsky is going to is going to – at some point, whether it's year one, year two, he's going to migrate to the guard position. And I have, would have no problem plugging him in at right guard and saying, go get him. Our because offensive line is done. done. That's one and position. One more position we can take off the draft board. We're good there. Because then you can go with a rookie contract. All right. And it's the same thing we talk about all these different positions where Evan Brown. He may have priced himself out of being a Lions backup. He's probably, and we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, he's probably going to get starter money somewhere. Yeah. All right? So if that's the and case. he's probably earned it. Yeah, he's earned it. Like, hey, happy for him, excited, glad that Hank Fraley's been able to develop a guy that is so good we can't keep him anymore. And now you can go out and spend some money on some other backups that are that are backup quality guys and you're hoping that you go into the season and all five guys play the majority of the snaps. And if you are young, you got a better shot. But if you draft Skaronsky, not only is it is it for this year and his rookie contract, but offensive linemen do get to that second contract. If they're good enough to stay in the NFL, now you've got a guy that's going to be on your offensive line for the next decade, next to Penny Sewell, Frank Ragnow in his second contract, Decker, Jonah Jackson's going to be up this year for a new contract. Mm-hmm. You've got a young offensive line that's going to be that's going to be in front of Jared Goff, and here's the other reason I like it. And Jared Goff may be a liability in this draft because, yeah, I would prefer to go defensive line or edge rusher. I would prefer to be able to get somebody a corner. But if I really believe that I need to protect Jared Goff, he can't get outside the pocket. He needs to play inside of a clean pocket. Then Skaronsky makes all the sense in the world. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, it'll be interesting. Obviously, we got, what, another couple months, yeah. right? Month uh, and a half. Almost month and a half of uh, pro days coming up, visits coming up. Um, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of movement on the mock drafts that we all love to watch and see. But I'll make... One prediction, and I'm going to repeat this, I think, you know, up until we get to that draft, I don't think the Lions will be picking at 6-18 and 18 in the draft. Oh. Whether that's moving up, uh, maybe into the top three to get a guy, or whether that's, you know, hey, maybe they pick at six, but maybe coupling that 18 pick with, uh, you know, the second round that you got from the Vikings in the Hawkinson trade and maybe moving back up into the top, 14 top 12 to get another guy that's something that we saw brad holmes do last year right taking 32 and uh, a couple seconds to move up and get his guy jameson williams he's not afraid to do that and i think uh i think that's a good possibility john i do i think it's a i think that's a way to maximize uh your assets that you've gotten via trade right we saw him t- take uh 
the Rams pick last year, which couldn't have been any worse at 32. He said, you know what? Yeah. I'm going to make the most out of it. I got a couple extra second rounds. I'm moving up to get my guy. This year, hey, we got a free second floating out there, uh, basically from the Hawkinson trade. Hey, we're sitting at 18. A couple of those bitches up, man, move back in maybe to the top 14, <laughs> top, top top 12. Let's go get another guy, man, day one starter. You could. I would, you uh, could. I would not be surprised to see that come draft day. Well, and a lot of it's going to be played out. We mentioned Evan Brown. Like, free agency is going to happen. Yeah, and next week. if they week. lose him, yeah, it starts next week. So if we lose him, uh, then they're going to have to, you know, address whether it's backup. If they if they let Vitae go, they're going to have to figure out, okay, who's going to be the starting right guard next year. And if they don't address it in, uh, you know, in, in free agency, then obviously it indicates that they're going to address it in the draft. Do they do it at 6? Do they do it at 18? Do they... You know, take a, a you know if Jalen Carter's there, they go at six. They move up to twelve uh, to take an offensive lineman. That that could be the play. Uh, I think there's a lot of interesting things that are going to happen, and we'll start to get a little bit of a clearer picture when we see how active or inactive the Detroit Lions are and what positions they address in free agency. So stay tuned in here. We're going to continue to to break down the the combine, what it means, uh, and we're going to obviously be following the Jalen Carter situation off the field to find out what type of legal ramifications he'll face. Uh, there's going to be a lot of background things that come that that does come out regarding is this a is this a character issue? I don't think speeding necessarily is a character issue. We've all done it, but it did cause or was a factor um, that that he's being charged with in the death of a of a teammate and and a recruiting staffer. So more information will come out about that. More information is going to come out regarding free agency, the draft, as we continue to get closer to that. So stay tuned in here for how all of these moves affect the Detroit Lions, what we expect from them uh, as we continue through this offseason here on Necessary Roughness.